Welcome into the great Scott show, the great sports callers, open think tank coming at you on a Monday morning. We are officially in March, officially in March, March madness. I mean, geez, I'm almost afraid to say it. I don't anticipate March madness getting canceled this year. Didn't get it last year. Sunbelt conference tournament starts this week. You got the, uh, Outright regular season conference champion, Ragey Cage women's basketball team is the one seed. On the men's side, the Ragey team, the two seed in the West. Hopefully both will be playing a week from the day on Monday in the championship game of the tournament. Try to punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. March is upon us. February came and went. Ben, it was a busy week last week. It was a busy weekend. All right. Because, you know, shout out to the uh, the STM girls soccer team for winning another state title. Brooklyn Babineau, the MVP of the game. Uh, Mikey Matuk signed with the uh, with the White Sox. Cajun football lost an assistant to Georgia. You can read about that over at ESPN1420.com. I mean, there were, there were some things that happened this weekend, and yet it was such a busy weekend in sports, especially in this building with all the UL games we aired. Last week from Monday to Sunday, we aired 19 games, 19 UL sporting events. It'll be another busy week this week, but there's a number of things we're going to get into this morning. Uh, The weekend's on the diamond and the hardwood. Drew Brees' viral workout video, his new hair, what it means. The mayor of New Orleans being thirsty for Russell Wilson and Ciara to come to the city and join the Saints team. It's a busy weekend, folks. ESPN1420N.com, Cajun Baseball. They get the sweep over Rice. Coach Deggs yesterday, who will be on with me at 8.15 this morning, said, hey, you start stringing together wins, man. That's the expectation. Anytime you win and then string wins together, uh, obviously it's, it's, uh, it's going to build confidence and it's going to give you a lot of expectation. And I think that's the most important thing is expecting uh, to do great things, expecting to win no matter what you're doing. And uh, that's for us attitude. And and that's, that is our attitude right now is we expect to get it done. And I've I've seen that from the first pitch of the year to today and uh, through eight games. And I think to answer your question, anytime you see that momentum, it's just going to keep getting stronger and stronger. Can they keep that momentum going? That's the big one, man. That's the big one. It is such a busy time right now. We mentioned all the uh, the broadcasts, all the games on the air last week. By the time we get to this Sunday, the Cajun baseball team will play, what, 13 games in the last 17? 13 games in 17 days is a lot. It is a lot. And yet you've seen the depth pop up. You've seen the depth used various times. I mean, they had a bad outing against LSU. Credit to LSU for that. And, and at the same time, the Cajuns coughed it up, had four errors in that game. They left too many runners on in the season opener against Tulane. They lost an extra innings. They've won all their other games thus far in various fashions. Tyler Robertson. He knocked one out yesterday, didn't he? What's that approach, man? What's that approach? Well, to handle it, 
I just stayed with the approach Degs gave us, just hunt fastballs, get on top of it, and adjust to it if they leave something over the plate. And I feel like I did that pretty well this week. Obviously, only had a couple hits, but I'm just going to stick with that approach and I, that I feel comfortable with. And I'm just happy that we got the uh, three-win sweep, so I'll stick with that. There you have it. There's Tyler Roberts. A little bit of that Texas accent coming out. Cooper Rawls, he's got a Texas accent. Who is that? Well, he's a pitcher at Tyler Juco College, and he is the younger brother of Julie Rawls, and he uh, committed to the Cajuns over the weekend, a good right-handed pitcher. About 6'2", 205, or maybe 205 is what he was listed as when he got to Tyler. I think he's about 220 now. Speaking of Julie Rawls, speaking of the Cajun softball team, man. I mean, losing Raina O'Neill last week, Taylor Roman, you're you're having to pull some red shirts. You might have to pull others. Again, that game against McNeese last week was so costly. Rage Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow is going to join me at 745 this morning for our weekly Monday morning one-on-one. And I mean, there's 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 a lot to break down. There's a lot to break down. Um, I thought tough loss yesterday. You know, there has just been. I mean, the defense is it's got to improve. You lost a really close game to LSU. You had a critical error in that game. You lost a really close game to Oklahoma State. You had two critical errors. You know, you see a team that that's now bunting the ball, something that maybe I think just a week or so ago, Coach Glasgow may not have expected as much as they've done. Um, you saw the returns of Talley and Boswell from suspension over the week, and they both were strong. They both played good. We're going to dig in more on Cajun softball in about 30 minutes, 35 minutes. Coach Jerry Glasgow will join me. That was a tough one there yesterday, man. Extra innings battle, 10 teams. The Cajuns looked really good against Oklahoma State on Saturday, and um, Oklahoma State came back. And I thought I thought Kendra Lamb pitched well. I think what she showed is that she can pitch good enough to win against the top-ranked opponent. She's starting to show more pitches in that repertoire. Um on the basketball side of things, Rage Occasion men get the win on Friday, and by the time that game had wrapped up in Little Rock, they had secured the two seed in the West, which is so big. I mean, it's one last game. You get to go to, to Pensacola a day later. You get to play on Saturday evening instead of Friday. You avoid the, the, the six seed in the West, excuse me, in the East. So Cajun go in 16 and 8 overall, 10 and 7 in college, and they'll play at 5 o'clock on Saturday against the winner of South Alabama and ULM. Meanwhile, the West, Texas State, the uh the top team there, Georgia State, the top seed in the East Division. So they got enough games in there to do it. And uh, the conference title game is going to be what, a week from the day at, at 8 o'clock. And on the women's side, you know, I mean, I, I probably should have just led with this. 13 wins in a row. 
they all say, I mean, from the staff to the players, everyone I've talked to, they, they don't even really think much about the winning streak. They're just, one, they wanted the outright conference championship. They got it. The first in school history win the Sun Belt Conference regular season title on the last day of the season at home on senior day, continuing to extend a record. I mean, they've lost one game in the year 2021, and it was on January the 1st. 15 and 2 is. Um, the record of Troy in conference play. The Cajuns 13-1. and one. I have a feeling those two teams might meet up a week from the night. But the Cajun, you know, women's team has some work to do. They have some work to do. They're going to play on Saturday afternoon, 1.30 against the winner of South Al and Arkansas State. But uh, tip of the cap to... Uh, to Ty Dusage, Myra Math, all the seniors, to all the players, to Gary Broadhead, who, to, to Coach Deacon Jones, to the whole staff. It was an accomplishment worth celebrating. They celebrated it, and now they're saying, look, that's that goal is checked off. Now it's time for the next one. But to have them get to cut down the nets, that was great. It was a great moment for them. It was a great moment for the program. Shout out to them. It's good stuff. And I will talk to Gary about that and an outlook for the tournament tomorrow morning as I will visit with Gary Broadhead and Bob Marlin. As I said, a lot more in store for you this morning. Going to have a uh, one-on-one conversation with Raging Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow at around 7.45 this morning. Then I'll chat one-on-one with Coach Matt Deggs, who earned his 200th career win on Saturday as a D1 coach. And, uh, you know, I, I I really enjoyed hearing the post-game interview yesterday down on the field when, when Top was talking to Deggs and brought up, you know, you got 200 yesterday. He's like, yeah. He said, I didn't even realize it. Uh, my dad had texted me. He's like, but I'm I'm really not thinking about that. Today is a special day. I'm like, where is it going with this? He's like, today is uh, eight years sober today. And he said it wouldn't have been possible without 36. Of course, he was referring to Coach Tony Robichaux, who he has said many times saved his life. And uh, Degg's an alcoholic now, eight years sober as of yesterday. And uh, for him to open up like that, I thought was cool. We'll chat with him a little bit about that. That's coming up at 8.15. Degg's at 8.15. Glasgow at 7.45. Up next, Drew Brees. Fans are flipping out on social media over a viral video. Why what his hair looks like is more than just a joke. Actually could tell you what's coming next. Plus, the mayor of New Orleans just putting it all out there. If Drew Brees comes back, would there be enough fans that would finally be like, all right, that's enough. We're turning against you. Could it happen? We're going to break it all down next right here on the Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. Listen to Sports Talk. Sports Talk, 24-7, 365, in the palm of your hand on the ESPN 1420 app. Sponsored by Mendez's Seafood Bar and Grill on Ducey Road. He peaked athletically in the seventh grade. He got hit a lot in dodgeball. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com.
the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. Coach Jerry Glasgow joining me uh, at a quarter till the top of the hour. Matt Deggs in about an hour for some one-on-one convos. So we we, we hit on um, a lot of stuff that happened in, in Cajun athletics over the weekend. We'll get back to that a little bit later. How about some Saints stuff? Because my timeline was just all over the place with Saints hot hot takes. It it was just anything you could say. There's no way somebody was thinking that they were thinking it. Honestly, they were. And gotta tell you, man, when a viral video comes out of Drew Brees doing some CrossFit in a parking lot, and spectators are the ones filming him, saying, "I've never seen him do that before." And you can see the top of his head briefly, and he's got this new hair. Look, as somebody that's not completely bald but has been balding for more than half of my life, I know what the thin hair on the top and the receding hair looks like, and I know when it's pretty obvious when you had work done, and it's pretty obvious Drew Brees had some work done. But the intense... And if you missed any of it, you can read all about it. See the video over at ESPN1420.com. But, like, he's just going crazy in the workout. He's pushing this uh, weighted sled back and forth and just kept going and going way down the driveway and back. And everyone out like, oh, my God, it means he's coming out. Why hasn't he announced his retirement yet? What does this mean? Oh, why? what is he doing? is he retiring? What's the deal? This workout, it's, it's training. He's getting ticked. He's, he's seen people get thirsty over Russell Wilson. And he's like, wait a minute. I, I don't like I, I like, it's my team. What? Look, Breeze would probably be training no matter what, just cause he's obsessed with that kind of thing. Breeze never struck me as the guy that was just going to stop working out as soon as he retired. And is there a chance he would say, I want to come back, I guess, and play on a $1 million salary next year because that's what he restructured his deal to? I suppose. Everyone can draw their own conclusion. But I really feel like, first of all, I got to I mean, whoever did the work on his hair, well done. I mean, hit me up. I mean, you can, you want sponsorship on this show? Just do it to me for like, just that's your payment. I'll just, you can be the, the just have live endorsement ads for like the next five years. We can do it. Oh man. I mean, let's, let's not act like Breeze was just going to stop working out and just hang out on his couch and eat ice cream all day with his kids. He was going to keep working out especially if he's going to be on TV. Your most humble athletes can still be vain a little bit. Why did he get why did he get his hair done this offseason? Kind of fill in some of the thinness, kind of fill in those receding part, make it look a little more thick. Not make it look, actually just make it more thick. Come on. 
Remember when Jason Witten went in the booth? Oh, my God, he has hair. Remember when Brian Erlacher retired? Oh, my God, he has hair. Wade Boggs, others. Going into TV, man, you got to look fit. Got to look good. Yeah. I think a lot of this is fueling speculation of a potential return. And if he were to say, I'm coming back, like I was debating with last week with Norman Locke, there would be plenty of fans that would say, I, I don't like this, this isn't a good idea, and yet still root for him because they want to root for their team. They might not be happy about it. Would the Saints have the gall to be like, nah, probably not what's best. He's working out like an animal for a guy that just had his lung punctured and more than half of his ribs fractured. I say just had. It was a few months ago, but you catch my drift. And on the other side of it, you've got all of these Russell Wilson rumors that have been fueling just getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And then you got the mayor of New Orleans chiming in on it. She's like, I come on. Let's do it. Making her pitch. Going online. Doing videos. Saying, I'm I'm hearing the rumors. Come on out here. Saints fans flipping out, talking themselves into the thought of maybe they could possibly get him. But no, the mayor of New Orleans released their, released their own video. I've heard the rumors now, and I want to make sure that you understand that the city of New Orleans is a place for you and your beautiful family. I'm Latoya Cantrell, mayor of the city of New Orleans, and I know, Mr. Wilson, that you will be a great addition to the New Orleans Saints. And more importantly, I can see us in that number winning that Super Bowl championship once again. And what else I can see? The Mrs. Sierra Wilson herself on that main stage during the historical Essence Festival. All right, a couple things to unpack here. Number one, it's a reminder of just how crazy this offseason is. I mean, it's nuts. You've got a franchise quarterback under contract for the only team he's ever played for, has won a Super Bowl with, and a mayor of another city who has been criticized at times by some in the city, not all, some, on her handling of various issues around the coronavirus. I won't get all political, but the reason I even brought that up is to say, is she just trying to gain some political favor here? Dancing with the umbrella and the Saints stuff in the background, talking about Russell and Sierra and how much they're just going to do all this great stuff if they come there. Meanwhile, he's under contract, hasn't publicly said he wanted to be traded, although we all know that he is. It's a long PR campaign to try to get himself out of Seattle because he doesn't get along at all with Pete Carroll. And then on top of that, Drew Brees, the greatest player in the history of the franchise, who everyone assumed would retire, hasn't officially retired yet, releases of, well, did he release it? 
He probably knew someone did. Someone releases a video of him doing circuit training this this past week in CrossFit. He's just going crazy with this weightlifting sled. Oh, and by the way, he's got new hair plugs. Does that mean he's going into TV? Does that mean he wants to come back? What if he does want to come back? What about the Saints cap situation? My question through all this is, dang, man, what about Jameis Winston? Everyone had just finally accepted, all right, that's probably what's going to happen next for the Saints, right? Jameis Winston's going to come in. He'll have a shot. They'll re-sign him one two-year deal, see if he can do it, see if he can get his career on track, see if he can cut back on the turnovers. He'll play with Taysom Hill, and that Swiss Army role. We'll call it Taysom. Probably not going to contend, but, hey, it's time to move on. It's time for the next step. It's time to start building to potentially something else. And then, boom, wait. Why hadn't Drew retired yet? And then, boom, wait, Russell Wilson said what? And then, boom, wait, the Saints are on the list? And then, boom, the mayor's like, come on over. Come on over, Russ and Sierra. We love you. And then Drew's like, actually, hold up. Wait a minute. Look at this video. I'm not, I haven't retired yet. Look at me training. I can still do this. I've only thrown for over 80,000 yards in my career. And that's just the offseason involving Saints storylines. NFL offseasons of the past are gone forever. Once you start having elite quarterbacks under contract start to dictate terms of where they want to go next, even if it ends up working for them or not, that is a big, juicy headline-grabbing storyline that gets people talking, that gets players' feelings hurt. Jameis is probably sitting back there like, man, I'm out. And, yeah, the Saints might end up just having a role with Taysom Hill because he's the only one under contract. Jameis left. Russell didn't get traded, or if he did, it wasn't to the Saints. And Drew actually did just get into, you know, stayed in great shape and got his hair did because, guess what? He looked good. I'm going on network television every week. It's wild. It's wild. ESPN1420.com. I still lean toward Drew's going to retire. But with all this, with feelings being the way they are, with Michael Thomas putting up stuff on Instagram and him and Russell Wilson and the mayor, you know, just publicly recruiting a player to play for a franchise in her city, a player that's under contract, that's having issues with Pete Carroll. If you were ownership in Seattle and it was it was between Wilson and, and Pete Carroll, where do you go? Because in the NBA, that's not a new development. Comes down to a coach or player. If it's a superstar player, franchises usually get a role with the superstar. That's not a new phenomenon. That's never happened in the NFL, and I don't expect it to. But, I mean, Pete Carroll's 70. Just signed a nice contract extension himself. Get your feelings right, guys. Bottom of the hour here on a Monday. This is the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank, sponsored by Suit Up. Suit Up. Come on, guys. Suit up menswear and tux rentals. You know what I'm talking about? In Lafayette, next to Lafayette Shooters, 
next to rooms to go right there in between it. 3546 Ambassador Caffrey, the absolute best in menswear. We're talking great prices. We're talking great service. We're talking great product. We're talking great selection. We're talking great atmosphere. People are awesome. Suits are awesome. Prices are the best. You need to get suited up for a wedding. You got a wedding party. Boom. Any question you have, they will answer all of them. They'll get you fitted. They'll take care of you. Locally owned and operated. Whatever it might be. I, I, I you know, once we get back into the swing of things, as the vaccine becomes more widely distributed and you get back to things like, you know, proms and bigger weddings and things like that, suit up, suit up. But even if it's not a suit or whatever it might be, you just, you just need some comfortable wear, man. Got to get some nice clothes. They're going to get you set up. You're going to leave feeling great about what you purchased. You're going to leave feeling great about how it's going to make you look. You're going to leave feeling great. Suit up, suit up. I cannot recommend them enough. Whatever is a five-star recommendation, you got it from me. Look, I'll be honest with you. I work I work in radio, but I also have to go on various sales calls with members of the sales team. I go to I go to church every weekend. I do things in my life where I need to be dressed nice and look a certain way and present myself in a certain way, and I do that with full confidence after I go to suit up and they suit me up the way I need to be suited up. Suit up. Happy to have them as sponsor of the Great Scott Show because I believe in everything they do over there. If you go, just walk in the door and just yell, suit up. Talk about how you heard it on the Great Scott Show. 31 after the hour, 7 o'clock. ESPN1420.com. <clears throat> Emails. You can email me, scott at ESPN1420.com. You can also tweet the show at ESPN1420. That is the handle. You can call me as well at 269-1077. Toby emails. Scott, if Drew Brees decides he wants to come back to the Saints, I'm afraid they're just going to let him come back. I mean, how do you tell a guy like that no after everything he's done? Plus, if he's willing to do it on that cheap deal, like you said, with all of the Saints cap issues, wouldn't that make a little sense? Just my two cents. Enjoying the show. Toby, thank you. Thank you for emailing. Thank you for listening. Tell you what, if... <laughs> I mean, to say after all that he's done, I mean, it, at some point it's tough. You might have to you might have to have that tough breakup. It would be so weird if he's like, I want to come back, and they're like, nope. Mickey Loomis has publicly said he can play as long as he wants. But how aggressive would the Saints be with a potential trade for a player until they know for sure whether or not he is coming back? How much would they really try to woo potentially a player in a trader if that doesn't work out at Jameis Winston to come back on a team-friendly deal to get a chance with the keys to the car until they know whether or not he's going to come back? Remember, we're in the month of March. Sean Payton said at his end-of-the-year season press conference, end of the end of the season, whatever, you know, this was back in January, going on like seven weeks ago, six weeks ago, he said, we should know what Breeze is going to do in the next week to week and a half. Well, here we are going on, what, five, six weeks? 
and all you've got is Drew Brees posting stuff on Instagram that he's promoting. Hashtag this, put in the code this for this much off of this thing that'll get you in a great shape, and then a viral video of him with new hair and, and an intense workout that's just getting people talking about him more. Wow. Thanks for the email, Toby. Coming up in 11 minutes, Rage of Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow to talk about, man, a lot has happened in the last week. Holy cow. Uh, Since we talked to him last Monday. But got a lot to get into regarding Cajun softball. Decisions on red shirts. the, 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 The style of play, at least offensively, changing a little bit. Kendra Lamb and her outing yesterday, Summer Ellison, and much more. That's all coming your way in 11 minutes. Coach Matt Deggs, who shared uh, in post game his eight years being sober, uh, and then he also tweeted out yesterday. Nine years ago, Coach Rope took a chance on a man that had lost it all to alcohol and had zero wins as a D1 coach. Well, because of number 36 and those I call – the never let go gang. I hit eight years sober today. No matter what you're facing, knowing Christ, all things are possible. Thank you all for the well wishes. Nine years ago, Coach Rope took him in. Zero wins as a D1 coach. Now he has 200. Earned his 200th on Saturday. Eight years sober yesterday. Looking forward to talking to Coach Deggs coming up at 8.15 this morning. Here is more from Matt. Yesterday, in his Zoom press conference with the media, you'll hear some questions from Kevin, Madeline, and others in the local media. Coach Degg answering them. A lot about yesterday's game more than anything else. Yeah, it's a matter of time. You know, he's he's a special, special athlete. And Let me set up the beginning. Sorry. First question was about Tyler Robertson. Yeah, it's a matter of time. You know, he's he's a special, special athlete. And, and you know, it's it's just a matter of getting enough at bats and, and making some adjustments and you know, the sky's the limit for this kid. He's he's just such in the same mold as a lot of guys we've had come through here. The, I'm sure you're really loving not just the wins, but the the way that you're they're happening. It's like the same formula over and over again with good starting pitching, good relief pitching, and getting them putting up enough crooked numbers here and there. Yeah, it's you know, it's all about setting the tone on the on the bump and and being able to match their guy and then us finding a way to reach base, execute, and then get big hits and especially big two out hits. And uh, we had a huge two strike home run today uh, to, to grab us the lead and then, you know, lean on that bullpen. And uh, it was great to get Moriarty back, uh, back in the mix. Obviously Carter gave us just a great start, uh, just absolutely great start. Uh, And then get Mo back out there. uh, Who's got a really good mix as well been a little banged up, and then Wilson and, and uh, Schultz, he did what they always do. With Carter, I mean, he pitched well last year, but is is he better this year, or what are you seeing from him? You know, I'll venture to say he is. You know, he's got a, a year under his belt with us, or, or you know, half a year, however you want to look at it. And uh, he, uh, he he's just a really, really good, durable, pitchability guy that is great on Sundays because you're going to have to beat him. He's not going to give it to you. Take away a couple of silly walks at the end there, and, you know, he gives them nothing. And you, you've got to be able to string together hits to beat him, and that just doesn't happen very often. And then if you, if you mix in a good offense, which I believe we're going to have, uh, 
that's a perfect formula. And so he gives us some stability, gives us time to figure it out offensively, and that's exactly what you saw today. Cofield, coach, I mean, he, he's he's a bench player right now, but I really like his approaches at the plate, and he, he doesn't always get a hit. No one does, but he always seems to give you a good at bat. Cofield can hit, and uh, he's got a real, real steady demeanor, uh, meaning, you know, he doesn't get too high or too low, and he's always ready. And I thought that was just a huge A-B today. And, you know, I, I, I think about Brock, who's about to pinch hit, doesn't have many at-bats this year, and then gives his bat up for uh, Cofield, great team guy right there. And I think that's what's impressed me most about this group is their willingness to sacrifice for each other, which is what it's going to take for us to do what we want to be able to do. Uh, and, and Cofield was ready and delivered a huge knock right there. Coach, what kind of confidence uh, moving forward does a weekend series like this give your team? Well, like we talked about the other day, anytime you win and then string wins together, uh, obviously it's it's uh, it's going to build confidence and it's going to give you a lot of expectation. And I think that's the most important thing is expecting uh, to do great things, expecting to win no matter what you're doing. And uh, that's for us attitude. And, and that's that is our attitude right now is we expect to get it done. And I've seen that from the first pitch of the year to today and games. And I think to answer your question, anytime you see that momentum, it's just going to keep getting stronger and stronger. We'll talk with Matt one-on-one coming up at 815. That is the head coach of the Raging Cajun baseball team. Jerry Glasgow coming up at 745. I'm Scott Prather. This is the Great Scott Show sponsored by Suit Up. Suit Up. Um, Boy, you saw a lot of work out of the bullpen over the weekend, especially on Saturday um, in terms of really being able to hold down Rice the rest of the way. Cajuns briefly lose the lead in the fourth, quickly take it back, and um, or was it the third? I, third or the fourth. There's a lot of games this weekend. And, you know, they just they brought out some power and – you know, they answer with the three spot, lean on the bullpen, and, and the guys just get it done. And you saw Eric Getty get in there. Coach Degg said he expects to see him some on Tuesday and then um, maybe start him next week. But we'll get we'll get more details on exactly what the plan is with Eric Getty. I've heard some say that he's supposed to start Tuesday. We'll see um, where he's at today if things have changed. I thought Carson Roccaforte, man, I mean, this this dude. Rockefort, Rockaforte. I've asked a few people in the athletic department. I've gotten different answers. I guess just need to ask Carson. Um, but, you know, you're, I heard him talk Saturday. You heard Tyler Robertson, if you've been listening to the show this morning, kind of say the same thing. They're both asked about their hitting, and they say, look, we just we just do – we just stick to the process Coach Deggs wants us to. That's it. Sticking what our coaches have been preaching. Carson says makes it easy to play in front of the fans they have. Robertson said, let's just keep going after fastballs. Well, to handle it, I just stayed with the approach Degs gave us, just hunt fastballs, get on top of it, and adjust to it if they leave something over the plate. And I feel like I did that pretty well this week. Obviously, only had a couple hits, but I'm just going to stick with that approach and I, that I feel comfortable with. And – I'm just happy that we got the uh, three-win sweep, so I'll stick with that. 
All right, coming up next, we'll shift gears from baseball to softball. Rage Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow joins me next right here on The Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up on ESPN 1420. The Great Scott Show. This ain't golf. This ain't tennis. It ain't about me. It's about us. On Sports Radio ESPN 1420. Into the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up on ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Uh, as promised, joining me now the head coach of the Rage Cajun softball team, Coach Jerry Glasgow. And um, Coach, a lot, a lot of games between um, I guess today and the last time we chatted. I want to say off the top of my head, it was what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games uh, just since last Tuesday. And uh, you got more right now on the docket this week. Are are you getting any sleep, Coach? Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting enough sleep. That's that's uh, that's something I'm good at. So. Oh, well, well, last time we talked, I know you were you were telling me about some things on the team that were were kind of keeping you up at night, and I, I yeah. know that uh, it was a win on um, on Thursday against McNeese, but uh, Wednesday against McNeese, but. As you said after the game, it didn't it didn't feel like a win at times, just based on how costly I think it was for you guys, just in terms of of the injuries. Yeah, it, it's you know that's just our game, I guess. If you stay in it long enough, and unfortunately, you know we pretty well played through through the first three years I've been here. We played through almost injury free. Um, and seemed like we made up for all of it in one week, but and this season, I mean, it just really caught us this week, and that's you know, that's, when it gets right down the bottom line, it's still my responsibility to have our team ready to play and and ready to execute, and and there were times this week when we had the the games were right there at our grasp if we could have just executed, and and that that's frustrating, but that's a uh, just part of the game. But, yeah, we had a lot of change. I mean, from last week at this time, we're talking about one team, and and now it's almost a totally another team. And, you know, when the injuries piled up this week, we had four players that, you know, weren't able to do the things we were envisioning and be able to do. And so then we're pulling kids off of red shirt that, you know, we had Cardi Heath stepped in, and, you know, she missed, she missed the first month of practice in January with um, – illness and you know she's not obviously not ready to play at peak performance and we can't expect her to play at peak performance but you know she had to play and and then um you know we had some kids that had been out for for disciplinary reasons and we brought them back and they hadn't been in practice for you know a week and a half two weeks and but they had to play and you know, again, they they were unbelievable. They 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 did a great job for us with what with the amount of practice they had had, and you know, just to step in and play against top ten teams, it's tough. And there's a reason Oklahoma State, her pitcher, was a second team All American last year, and you know, we we uh, we got some runs off of her, and we just couldn't get any more. And 
those are the kind of things that happen, and, and it's part of the game. It, it's frustrating, but uh, we we've got to just roll our arms up and go to work this week, and and realize that we're we're behind a little bit with the roster that we have uh, healthy and able to play. We've got to outwork everybody this week, and that's what my message to the kids was last night. You know, we're right there. We showed we could play with anybody, um, and you know, we just have to go to work, and and we will. And the good news, there was bad news last week, and there was good news. You know, a week ago, I would have told you, if you want to judge how good this team can be, you know, watch closely the development of Kendra Lamb and 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 what she brings to the ball club this spring, because that's going to be kind of parallel how high we can go at the end of the year. And and the two performances of Kendra Lamb against LSU and Oklahoma State were, I thought, absolutely magnificent and um you know i i thought she could do that based on what i saw in preseason um but i you know you're always relieved when you see her do it in a game um sure. under the pressure and magnitude of those games yeah. and then with the you know with her also doing it i thought stepping up knowing all the chaos that had happened in the background in the last 30 to 45 days you know, and her to step out there and be as solid uh, as she was mentally on the mound, that also is a huge reflection on that young lady. Yeah, she, she um, you know, folks didn't pay attention or just saw, you know, a final score and didn't watch. She really, I mean, she showed that she can compete against really elite teams and uh, mixed in, I think, a few more pitches that maybe outsiders hadn't seen yet. Um, and and I, I I was going to ask you about Kendra, Coach, because and I'm glad you brought it up. There were some things this week, and obviously, maybe a critical error by someone here that cost you game. Or folks can can harp in on some of the things that didn't work out well. But I thought perhaps the best development of the weekend was, as you said, was Kendra Lamb and, and what she showed against really really good competition. Yeah, I think Kendra Lamb, if you look at not just this year, but the next two, the following two seasons, if you're looking at Louisiana softball, she's probably over this year and the next two years, you know, the most critical piece uh, uh, of the roster. And so to me, it's extremely important that we we do a good job with Kendra Lamb and, and, uh, and keep developing. You know, Casey Dixon was also outstanding. Uh, pitching for us, and and when we got really good innings out of Vanessa Foreman as well. So and Carly Heath come in and give us two real good innings uh, pitching. So I feel like you know we're, the way I envisioned our ball club a, a month ago was as a team that could hit with a lot of power at times, and then we had speed that we could use speed when we needed to, anytime we need to. And now I think with the loss of Taylor Roman and and um, Rain O'Neill, both huge, huge power hitters for us. Um, I think we're going to have to go more, more towards that speed part, unless unless a couple of players step up. I mean, we just got to look at it, and let it play out. If if I can get Carly Heath comfortable and confident, she could hit a lot of home runs for us. So she does it in practice, and and I just got to see. You know, this week I think. Um, Several of our players that got rushed into the lineup, Kendall Talley, um, you know, Julie, Julie is, Julie Rawls is just getting back to full speed. 
I think it's going to take those kids a few days to catch back up. And then if, if, if we can get them caught up and playing at full confidence, we may look even different than what I think right now. But, uh, and then the key is how quickly can I get back Mayu and Keane off injury? Because those two, I think, will be back at, at some point in the next few uh, days or weeks. I, I just don't know. I, I don't, it's, uh, it's day-to-day on those kids. ESPN1420.com, Coach Glasgow, giving us some updates on uh, the health of the roster. Um, you mentioned some players coming back uh, this past weekend. Um, Boswell, you know, big two-run homer. I thought Tally brought some energy. And then if you could speak, Coach, just on perhaps others that, that saw more action than they expected because, like you said, there were some kids that you thought you were going to redshirt. Now they're playing. And I imagine you have some other decisions that you're going to have to make in regards to red shirts. Could you give us a rundown of what the latest is in regards to that? Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to not pull you know I'm trying not to pull kids off red shirt. Even yesterday in the game, we I can't remember the situation. We had to run. Oh, at the end we had to run a pitcher. You know, and I'm thinking, should I should I put Pisco in right here and and you know we're going to need her. Uh, there's going to be times this season when we need these kids. Now I know that, but then on the other hand, if I put them in and King comes back and Mayu comes back, and you know, then then all of a sudden we don't get them enough. You know, we don't get them the amount of play time I, I envision. It's really tricky. So it's just it's really right now. I'm going to be honest. It's like a, a really tough time to coach, but that's what. That's the funnest part, and that's that's uh, that's I guess what makes our our job interesting. Um, it, let's talk about the team. The team this weekend, yeah, Boz had a you know we had we had a five to two lead, and we just kind of kept or five to five to one lead, I guess. That's it. I'm trying to think how the game played out. There's but coach. I mean, Oklahoma <laughs> State. Yeah, and uh, I felt like we just kind of lay in there, you know, just. Sitting there, sitting there from the second inning on, and then she come up and finally stuck that two runs, which gave us a seven to one lead, I believe, and that made it a lot more comfortable. You know, just that getting from five to one to seven to one, and and that was a big moment. Even though you know some people say, well, you got a five run, a four run lead or whatever, there's not that much pressure, and it was still off of a, a good ball club, and and I don't know why he threw the girl he threw at us was their number three pitcher. And um, that was a break. That was a break for our ball club when he decided to go with his number three. I imagine he could, you know, he knew we were injured and beat up and thought he could get by with it, I, I would guess, or else he just wanted to see what that particular pitcher did against our lineup. But that was a break. And we told the kids before the game, we got a break, let's take advantage. And we did. And really come out and scored four runs in the first inning, one run. And, and that got him a win against the top 10 team. And, and that win's going to pay off. I mean, that win's going to be there in the, in their basket all year until the end. That's a big win for us. And we needed to come out of the weekend two and two. And, you know, we, we, we uh, lost that heartbreaker to LSU, uh, three, two on an air. Um, and, and when you looked at the replay, the runner was in fair territory. You know, it's, it, it was a, it was a call we could have got, should have got that runner should have been out. Instead, it turns into an inside the park home run and, and we lose three, two. Um, and that, that, you know, that loss is not a bad loss at all. When the selection committee at the end of the year looks at it, three, two, 
at LSU on the road. It's not a bad loss. It's a pretty good, it's a pretty good game to hang your hat on. Now, how much will they take into account the injuries? They probably won't because they're going to be sitting there looking at 50, 60, 70 teams and they're just, they're just not going to have time to, to dig in. But as the year goes along, they, you know, they probably are making notes. And I think uh, you'd hope that at some point they they do recognize and, and at least it's in there a little bit. But we had a chance to win the game, and I think that's what's important is that if we can just work this lineup here over the next three weeks and, and improve and we can become consistently good enough to win some of those games. And, and I think we will. Uh, if we don't, I'll be disappointed. And then, you know, Oklahoma State yesterday, we, we got out two nothing lead. You know, this, this particular lineup, I knew this weekend we had to go to the short game we, you know, that was the only way we was going to win. And, and Friday night, I mean, at LSU, we had first and second with no outs. And all you do, you bunt them over to third. And, and if you bunt them over to third, a ground ball scores run, a fly ball scores run, they've got to pull their infield into play. We didn't get the bunt down. We popped it up and they got the force out of the third. Well, then the infield back because you got runners at first and second. And we hit an absolute. Uh, Rawls hit a shot at shortstop who was playing deep at the edge of the grass knowing she had a four shot at third and second and, and and catches the ball and it turns into a double play. If if we get the bunt down, we're second, third, <laughs> and the infield has to be in. Shortstop would have been in at the baseline. And, that, and then that same hit turns into a two-run double. So, you know, that's the kind of weekend it was, a week it was, and, but we were in that game and had – every opportunity to win it. Those are good signs and things that I have to be positive about is that even with the roster and the chaos we had this week, the disappointment, because it, it, it was really hard on our players when they walk in that dugout and they see great leaders like Rain O'Neill and Taylor Roman sitting on that bench on crutches and a cast and on and on. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, um, well, disappointment or sadness there's a lot of negative type emotions that affect your ball club and, and and they're a big presence on our team because they're such great leaders and great people. So we gotta we'll get through that. That'll kinda go away over time and, and disappear and I think there's a lot of reason to believe we'll be fine. The the biggest challenge for us is we need to be fine quickly because we got McNeese Wednesday night who's an outstanding ball club. Their record is deceptive because they played almost all top twenty five teams and you look, they got beat, I think, yesterday, one to nothing to Florida. Held Florida to one run. Uh, you know, so we're going to have to, we're going to have to have a big pitching performance there. And then we're going to have to figure out a way to manufacture three or four runs with this lineup. And then we go to the next night, Baylor comes in and, you know, they're a top 25 team and, and we're going to have to, we're going to have to again have a good pitching and performances and scratch out enough runs to win. And so that's, that's kind of what, what I saw this weekend, we, we're not going to score 10, 12 runs a game with this lineup. We're going to have to put our best defensive players on the field, play good, solid defense behind really good pitching, and then use, use a speed game to manufacture enough runs to win. And that'll be our strategy. And that's, that's completely different than, than what I envisioned this team being. But that's what, that's what we can do in the short term to, to be, a, be successful. Shifting from more of a power ball to, to small ball uh, out of necessity, but you saw it work at times this past weekend, Coach. And, um, you know, for a team that was, like you said, I mean, a lot 
I, I'm, I'm anxious to see when we chat next week uh, what things are going to look like because so much has unfolded here over the last week. You mentioned McNeese Wednesday, doubleheader against Baylor Thursday at Lampson Park. What is your uh, what is your plan in terms of who you want to put um, uh, as the starter pitching uh, in those three games? Uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll, today we'll just let the girls rest. We'll come back tomorrow, practice, do a, do an in-between start workout and see who's sore, who's, you know, just see how they come back because it's a, this has been a hard, you know, a lot of games this week. And I know they were tired. The pitchers were tired. Kendra Lamb threw a lot of pitches yesterday. Uh, Summer's thrown a lot of pitches over the weekend. So I think before we say who's starting which game, we look at how they come back. And it may be we even decide to go with a Casey Dixon or a Vanessa Foreman uh, in that Wednesday night game. Uh, just to get those kids a few more days of rest, if they are sore tomorrow, I think just too early to say this morning who who will start when. Having eleven games scheduled over um, a nine day period, when you have uh, unfortunately the injuries that you guys have experienced here over the last week, is this as difficult a stretch in your career for a team from a physical standpoint? Just trying to get through. Um, not just uh, all those games in a, in a compressed amount of time, but some really good competition in there as well. Yeah. I don't think physically it's that. I mean, it's always hard physically. Practice is just as hard as games, actually. I think I think if you have a good practice, it's maybe even harder physically than, than, than a, a game is for the kids. But the mental, the mental stress is, I think, a lot more uh wearing on the athletes than the physical part and i think that when you have you know that many games in that many days you know they got kids going over three and over two today and one to three tomorrow and they're worrying about that they're worrying about their hitting they're worrying about their defense they're worrying about their teammates and their injuries and they're worrying about tickets for the family there's just a lot of spread. They're worrying about classes that they're having to miss when they're on the road or, or at home games even if they're early. Um, there's just a lot of things like that that the student athlete really wears them down mentally. Uh, you know, they're going home after these games are over and studying, hopefully. Some of them are. <laughs> uh, uh, so things that, you know, we we don't think of right off the top really come into play. But you know, I went to the. I was at the field yesterday morning. We had that one o'clock game, and I got there at eight o'clock. And you know, we got fifth-year senior um, out there hitting in the cages way before she was supposed to have been at the field. You know, and when you see signs like that, that's a that's a really that's a really encouraging sign to a coach because it it tells your kids in a good place. They want to they're wanting to compete. Who who was that out there early, coach? Getting some some. Uh, uh just, Justice Mills, she was out there, you know, she's just a worker. She's an extremely hard worker and much like the Mayu kid where, you know, she just, she really takes her, she, she's got her, her hitting is very much, um, well, she wants, she has to feel well prepared and, and likes a lot of reps, likes, likes to get in there and, and take some hacks and, and, and thinks a lot during her BP, you know, she's a, she's a kid that, really um, has to go through a process and a game day routine um, and very very cerebral about how she approaches her hitting. 
Rage of Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow with us. This is ESPN 1420 KPEL Lafayette. I'm Scott Prathers. Great Scott show sponsored by Suit Up. Um, two more questions for you, Coach. We always appreciate you taking the time. Um, yesterday you, you moved um, Gutierrez to short and Alyssa Dalton to third. I know before the season you said they would maybe rotate, you know, depending on the game. Is that is that move is, – is that still the – the plan is to kind of move them back and forth, or do you, you think you'll stick with that for a little while? You know, uh, that's been a tricky thing because you've got two kids that are good shortstops. But we were – my plan going into preseason in January was just rotate them every other game until we felt like we had one lineup was the better of the two. And about late January, the coaches, uh, coaches staff, we felt like, Dalton had established herself. She just had not made any errors all preseason. She's so good over that shortstop. And she's played really good. If you look, you know, this, this spring, she had just had a phenomenal defensive spring at shortstop. And so we, we moved Jade over to third and just left it, kind of left it and solidified our infield. And, and I'm, my thought yesterday was, you know, one of the, the one thing in this team right now that could give us a huge boost if we get Jade, offensively hitting in games like she hits in practice. And, you know, the first game of the year, if you look back, I had Torres in the three-hole, and that was based on she had had a, a great January. I mean, she was just on fire with her bat against our pitchers. And and she's a, she's a proven college hitter. So she's she's going to hit 300. It's it just, you know, she's just got off to a really rough start. And, and so I thought, you know, maybe at this point we just – we got to show her we, you know, we love you. We're here with you. We know you're good, you know, and we're in this thing together. And that's so I, I, I brought Dal- Dalton in the office, and I, and I told Alyssa, I said, hey, you know, I don't want to do. You've not done. You've not made an error all year at shortstop. I'm not. I can't do it without your permission. But I'm thinking, you know, maybe if we put Jade at shortstop, we'll get her back going and get her back in an offense and feeling good. Uh, you know, maybe it's a position. I know she never played anywhere but shortstop the last couple of years. And, you know, maybe she just something about being at third, worrying about defense is affecting her offense. And, and she said, Hey, whatever it takes to win, I'm good. And that's how Dalton is. She's a very giving player. She's a very good leader. Um, and she said, just let's, let's try it. And so we made that move and, you know, Dalton was outstanding at third base. We knew she would be. She's a she, she's really comfortable at either position, short or third. Well, I think Jade is more comfortable at short and not as comfortable at third. Um, but you know, we're just hoping it would spark the offense. And you know, it didn't. It didn't do what I wanted it to do. But you know, I think we may just go back and forth every other game. When we were doing the every other game deal, they were both hitting and both playing well. So maybe I just start back to just flipping them back and forth. I don't think it really, I don't think it makes a tremendous difference on defense. I, they're both good. And uh, Dalton is just, you know, uh, a solid player and a good leader for us. So we're, we're kind of, we're, we're going to have to rethink every single thing to get this thing figured out and, and get back on our feet. And we're, you know, how quickly we can become a good ball club again, yeah, it's, who knows? We're, we're just got to every option is going to have to be open. Coach, I know things are extremely busy right now. We mentioned all the games. We talked about the student athletes, and I guess the uh, 
mental side of things and and trying not to get mentally exhausted when you have so many games in a compressed amount of time on top of that everything else going on in the life of a student athlete um i know you're busy as well i know at times maybe you know you're you're thinking about this team and this job when you're trying to go to sleep at night you've shared as much on these airwaves when it's when it's in the just heat of the season and there's all kind of stuff going on if you just have a moment where you just need to decompress, is there something you or, or you and Vicky like to do or maybe it'd be music or a show or something? Like, what do you do to try to take your mind off of work if it's only just for, say, an hour in the midst of a, of a 11-day stretch like you have right now? You know, this time of year, pretty well all softball. I mean, you just – you just I live and breathe softball right now. I mean, I left the ball field yesterday at – uh, all the coaches left, and I stayed there about an hour and a half. And just, I like to be in my office by myself, make notes. I wrote down some things that I thought thoughts I didn't want to lose this week. And and I thought I'll go home and I'll run my beagles. I run my it's the last day of rabbit season. I run my dogs an hour and a half. The time I got home, I, was, I said now I need to look at the scores. I need to see what all the top twenty five teams did. I need to look at. I want to see what my daughter's team did. I went to our, you know, at two o'clock in the morning this morning. I, I Two o'clock, I woke up and I come in. I looked at what Texas State's done this year, and I looked at what ULM has done this year, and I, I went through all all the schedules. South Alabama seven and five, and Texas State six, and uh, ULM five and four. And I hadn't had time to prepare or to follow that, you know, as a week because I was so busy trying to get ready for LSU and and Oklahoma State. So you know, at two o'clock this morning to about three thirty, uh, I caught up with. You know, I did. I had no idea that UT Arlington had only won one game all year, and uh, I went through each game they played, looked at that, and so kind of I could have a. You know, I need to know what's going on in our own conference, and that's just the life of a coach. Um, so right now, I don't guess I have an answer for you. Maybe mow my yard. It's getting pretty ugly, so. <laughs> Uh, right. I guess I'll make card maybe in the next week or so. Hey, man, it's uh, it's all softball, like you said. We appreciate you taking the time, Jerry. Um, all the best this week. We uh, look forward to airing the games, and we'll talk to you again next Monday. All right. Thank you. Thank you. That's Rage Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow. We'll take a quick timeout, come back, shift gears to Rage Cajun baseball. Head coach Matt Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. As promised, joining me now as he does each Monday at 8.15, the head coach of Louisiana's Raging Cajun baseball team coming off of a sweep of the Rice Owls over the weekend is Coach Matt Daggs. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Scotty? I'm doing good, man. Um, a, lo- a number of things I wanted to get into. Let me just start with a, a basic general question what do you what, what do you think the number one key to this past weekend was and being able to to take all three in the series against the owls well i think obviously you look at the pitching and and we hold them to three runs a game and they scored three runs each game and uh offensively we did enough and uh you know i, I thought we could have filled with the ball better and and but we're we're getting we're getting there and i think it's a matter of having the right guys in the right spot we had uh, a couple of a couple of silly errors, you know, in a rundown, et cetera. A uh, couple of throws here and there. And then uh, we had some silly walks. Uh, 
offensively, you know, I think we can still get a lot better. But to answer your question, you know, obviously we pitched it well. Uh, you know, one thing defensively that we're doing is turning double plays. And uh, we have an opportunity to strike guys out. We strike a bunch of guys out and we turn double plays so that can offset some of, uh, you know, some silly errors and whatnot. And then offensively, uh, you know, we've been able to hit some doubles and jacks, which offsets some of our strikeouts at the dish. The 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 pitching and in particular the bullpen coach, um, you came into this season and and you and uh, and Bab and everyone you know basically say we've we've got a lot of depth on this pitching staff because of that. Does it? Do you find yourself maybe if if a guy comes out of the pen and uh, maybe he gives up an early hit or a walk, able to pull a guy sooner than you would? Not because necessarily you're you're worried this thing's going to just continue to snowball, but because you have so many arms that you can be a little quicker in terms of bringing somebody else out the pin. Well, it definitely presents options. And, uh, you know, one thing that you're seeing guys come out of the pen too, is a product of these, these, uh, five game weeks. And uh, I think we've played 18 different position players and pitched 18 different guys. And, uh, so that's, that's 35 guys we've played total. I know you think my math doesn't add up, but we've played, you know, Tally's a two-way player. So, uh, you know, I don't like to have a quick hook. If you attack hitters and command the fastball and, and, you know, you're, you're pitching with intent, then I'm going to let it roll a little bit. Or maybe I just don't like a particular matchup or where we're at in the game. And so we've got the depth. Uh, we've got to continue to be creative, keep guys fresh, and use it to our advantage. What are the pros and cons of having as much depth as you have? Well, you're seeing some of the pros right now are guys being able to pick each other up, and that's that's what the bullpen is. It's I've got your back. I'm coming in to to pick you up, and uh, you've seen some of that play out, and we've been able to save some guys. Uh, you know, one thing that's kind of stressed us a little bit is, you know, we just now got Moriarty back yesterday, and Menard's been on the shelf, and we'll get him back at some point. Uh, and so that's two really good arms. Uh, downside to it is, is like you said, I think you can, you can be too quick at times and you know, it's just next man up. And sometimes that's not good. Uh, sometimes you got to let guys work out of their own jam, but these five game weeks, the fact that pitch counts aren't where they need to be. We've played in some colder weather at times, although this weekend was the opposite of last weekend. Uh, you know, so I think all of those are uh, some of the parts of what goes into kind of mixing and matching the staff right now. Rage occasion head coach Matt Deggs, our guest, ESPN 1420, another five game week this week. Um, I was just talking to, to Coach Glasgow, and he was, I asked him about playing, I think, nine games in 11 days and uh, the physical toll that that may or may not take on a team. And he brought up more of the, the mental side of it, right? Uh, with student athletes and all they're doing. <coughs> How do you feel about the the mentality and the mental side of your team as they're going through this stretch of, I think, 13 games in 17 days? Well, it's pretty easy. I mean, if I if I take a straw poll and, and I go in the clubhouse right now and I, I say, uh, give me a show of hands for everybody that wants to play for a paycheck or maybe even get to the big leagues, everybody's going to raise their hand. And, uh, you know, this is just a small taste of that. It's uh, it's 142 games in the minor leagues and 162 if you're fortunate enough to get to the big leagues. And you've got to love it. And so this is a great proving ground for those that have the passion and the want to and love to play. I wish we played every day and because I just love to play. And I, I believe the majority of our guys feel the same way. And so 
it's an opportunity to to see where you're at as a player, as a person, and and you know, are you able to to become? Uh, you know, I shot out a group me this morning. That's kind of the way we communicate, uh, just to a mass group, obviously. So, and I just said, this is a great opportunity today to work on becoming a professional and get caught up in the classroom, get get well fed, hydrated, rested up. Let's dot I's, cross T's, check boxes, and make sure we're ready for another five-game week. And if you want to play for a paycheck, that's what you, you've got to become a professional on and off the field. If you want to be an executive, you've got to become a professional on and off the field. If you want to be a great business owner, you got to do those same things. So it's just an opportunity to see where you're at as a person, and everybody's got stuff they can improve on. Coach, I wanted to ask you about a couple of players Um I heard your your post game yesterday uh, interview with with Top, and um, I think he brought up Jeff Wilson. Um, you know, ha- he's a guy that may not get a, a, a ton of headlines, right? A ton of coverage, but you know, behind the scenes, what is he like, and what does he mean to the team? Well, they call him El Jefe if that gives you any indication, which means the boss. And uh, Jeff is very understated. He's like your right guard. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, we constantly like to pull him and get him out front and, and, you know, he clears away for, for a lot of what happens for us and just doesn't get a lot of credit, but he's every day Eddie. And like I said, yesterday, he's money in the bank. Carson, uh, Rocco Forte to say that he's seen seeing the ball. Well, I think would be an understatement coach. He's, he's batting <laughs> 500 through the first eight games. Uh, does anything this this uh, freshman out of Port Natchez, Texas, do surprise you? Well, I mean, you don't bank on a on any hitter uh, getting off to that type start, and obviously that's awesome when it happens. And uh, but much less a freshman, and so we knew he had the mental tenacity for it, uh, like kind of like. Uh, Old Hefe over there, uh, you know, he's, he's very understated with a quiet confidence, but he's got a lot of fire and compete to him. And uh, obviously, the physical skills and attributes are there. Uh, and so you're 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 hoping that it, that you see it uh, and see it right away. But that's not always the case. I'd say the majority of the time it's not. And uh, you know, so to to kind of see where he's at and his game's at, it reminds me a little bit of Baby Blake Trahan. And uh, the game's never too fast for him. Uh, he commands the strike zone. He dominates the plate. Uh, he's generally always on time. And, you know, I think his uh, his defense is just rock solid and right field. I love the way he catches the ball. He plays with a very kind of quiet swagger to him. And uh, he, he looks like he's 25 years old and playing professionally. Eric Getty got in uh, on uh, on Saturday, got the save. What, what's the plan for him uh, this week, Coach, and uh, in, in not just midweek but perhaps next weekend? Yeah, kind of like B.Y., Brandon Young, a year ago. Uh, uh, you know, I think we undershot the runway a little bit with him, and uh, I'm going to try to bump him to Saturday. So wanted to get him out one more time. He's, he's kind of a guy that's got that rubber arm. He can throw a bunch, but – Obviously, you don't. I hate. I don't like throwing bullpens live in the game, which is essentially what we did on his bullpen day, uh, which was what was that Saturday? Yeah. Uh, because of the the intensity of a game and bullpen, they're two totally different things. But every once in a while, when you've got the right guy, you can do that. 
and uh, so we're we're getting him ready to start on Saturday. And when you say when you have the right guy, so is there a chance you might see him tomorrow in limited action, or probably just not until Saturday? I I don't I just don't think so. I think we're going to go ahead and get him on that that schedule. And uh, you know I like Connor Cook tomorrow. And, and I think he's going to get us off to a great start. I think you'll, you've got Tally and Perrin back and some of our other pieces. And, and so uh, I, I like where we're at. La Tech, that game's supposed to be in Ruston Tuesday. I know you're, you're close friends with a head coach. Uh, when did you find out that that game was going to be moved here and, and how did that all shake out? Well, Lane Burroughs, the head coach over there, who does a tremendous job, by the way, and just as a golly, he's just a great guy. Uh, Rock solid guy. Anyway, uh, we were talking uh, pregame uh, before that game, and he just told me, you know, they had a little bit of a predicament, and uh, you know, either wanted to move it later in the year, or, or, you know, we could come up, but it's just not quite where they want, you know. So just, just I said, hey, look, just come down here, man. ESPN. And so our, we, Sorry. our school made it happen, and you know, it's. Uh, I'm 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 glad uh, we get another home game. Yeah, yeah, home game uh, tomorrow against La Tech in Lake Charles Wednesday against McNeese, and then Houston Baptist coming to um, ML Teagmore Field at Russo Park this upcoming weekend. Matt, before I let you run, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to share a little bit about something you shared yesterday in post game. Something you shared online as well. Congratulations on getting win number two hundred as a D one coach on Saturday, but. You were quick to point out Sunday that yesterday for you was a much more special day for uh, for a big reason. If you wouldn't mind just sharing with some of our listeners what that is and, and what that journey's been like for you. It, it really was. It was yesterday was one of the more special days on the field I've had that probably not a lot of people are even going to know about. Uh, you know, it's uh, the the wins are great, and obviously everybody. <laughs> Everybody loves to compete and win. I don't keep track of them. I didn't even know it was 200. I knew it was upcoming because our SID had told me. I didn't know what, when or where or how. But uh, until I got a text from my dad congratulating me after the game, and, and uh, that was cool. Uh, but, you know, what I work towards every year is just another year of, uh, you know, another year of sobriety because I was dead. I was gone, and, and 36 saved me. That's just that simple. And Cajun Nation pumped love back into me and my family and, and uh, you know, gave us life again. And so when I'm fortunate enough to hit that mark every year, it just it means a lot. And, and I like to share because you never know who you're going to impact. And as broken as I was, God redeemed and healed us. And, yes, it was up to us to take action, and we did, uh, thank God. But he makes it all possible. And that's the way I believe Jesus Christ makes all things possible. And so a quick story, uh, about two years ago, maybe longer after I'd written 15 to 28, I, I got a lot, I get a lot of emails and stuff, just very nice and great stories. And, uh, this, this gentleman emailed me and said, Hey, I read your book and I just want you to know I quit drinking and, uh, just thank you so much for sharing. And so, you know, I thought that was awesome, and I replied back, and, and uh, you know, I keep them all. And so fast forward to this week, this past week, I get another email from this gentleman, and uh, 
that says, hey, man, this is so-and-so. I reached out to you a couple of years ago. Uh, I just want you to know I'm going on how many ever months that is, you know, since then sober. And uh, just thank you so much. You helped save me and my family. And by the way, my son is a freshman at Rice, and he's made the trip. And so I guess the coolest moment I've had in a long time is for it to hit that anniversary. The boys play their butts off, and, and we come away with a sweep. And then I was able to go over and embrace that kid after the game and just don't know him, but just told him I love him. And, uh, you know, that, that God makes it all possible. And uh, we shared a great moment over there. There, there are some things, Coach, that uh, as much as you love baseball, and, and the beauty is it's part of the story, but there are just some things that are bigger than baseball. That was, it, was, it was wild, and we both kind of choked up, and he, he just said, thank you, Coach, and, and that was that. Matt, I appreciate you sharing that, man, and uh, congrats on, uh, on eight years sober yesterday and on the sweep. I know it's another busy week for you guys. Look forward to following the games this week, and uh, look forward to chatting with you again next Monday. Well, I just want to—I want to tell everybody that's 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 has always supported us and loved us, and and uh, just Cajun Nation, how much we love you guys, and they continue to push us to the finish line. So Thanks thank so you much. guys. You got it, Matt. All the best. Thank y'all. Good Bye. stuff from Raging Cajun head coach Matt Deggs. Uh, he's written some books, and uh, he's an open book right there, at least, in uh, talking about that. What a great story sobriety and getting a message from somebody years after they had sent him an initial message of how reading his book helped them get sober, how he had just celebrated a sober anniversary. And Oh, by the way, my son's on this team and you guys are about to play him this weekend. That's uh, just uh, uh, not the whole story coming full circle, but a small circle within the, within the story coming full circle. And it's good to see that honesty and, uh, the emotion and hearing him thank everybody out there that supports the program and the fans and his family. It's great stuff, man. There's some things that are bigger than sport, but whenever sports gets to be a vehicle that, that kind of fuels some of those stories, that's really cool. ESPN 1420.com. This is the great Scott show sponsored by suit up on that note. We'll take a commercial timeout. We'll have some, uh, audio from uh, from Coach Glasgow. If you missed the interview, we'll have a couple of audio um, sound bites from him uh, yesterday after the weekend that was. Revisit the story that had folks on social media flipping out in regards to the Saints, and that is Drew Brees' new hair and crazy workout video that went viral, and the mayor of New Orleans and everyone else, Corson, and Saints players currently on the team, all pros saying, wait a minute, wait, what? Why is my name out there in trade rumors? Yeah, yeah. The offseason. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right here on ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app right after this. J.J. Reddick of the New Orleans Pelicans, and you're listening to The Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into The Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. J.J. Reddick there with the uh, liner, bringing us back in. Could he be traded soon? 
We will see. Pelicans, though, dropped their last two games, both close ones against the Bucks and then the Spurs. They uh, host the Jazz tonight, owners of the best record in the NBA. Thanks, Coach Glasgow, to Matt Deggs for coming on this morning. We can open up phone lines now at 269-1077-269-1077. Again, uh, the Rage of Cajun women's basketball team, I talked about it last hour, and I don't want to – I mean, we'll visit with Gary Broadhead tomorrow. To accomplish something that had never been accomplished before, in 50 years at the program to win the conference championship, to extend their school record win streak to 13 games, to procure the number one seed in the Sun Belt Conference, to set themselves up for a championship. You got the regular season championship. Uh, it, it was very happy for all of them. You know, I asked Jamira Mathis, a senior, uh, after the game on Saturday if she had dreamt that her senior day could be like that. She said, listen, I mean, if I'm being honest, freshman year, sophomore year, maybe not. But she said, after last season, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought this was possible. And, of course, you dream about winning championships and a senior day being special. So that it all came together and culminated on the last game of the season, which was at home on senior day. And Ty do I mean, they, they didn't just win. They made a statement on Saturday. 60 to 32. I mean, they dominated. Absolutely dominated. Celebrated, cut down the net, and um, now they're 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 ready for the next next goal on the list to check off, and that's winning the conference tournament and getting to the NCAA tournament. They'll play on Saturday at one thirty in Pensacola against the winner of South Alabama and Arkansas State. I mean, they haven't lost a game since January the 1st. Uh, Rage Cajun men's basketball team, they are the two seed in the tournament. And Bob Marlin, who we'll visit with tomorrow, tomorrow morning, 730. Um, they, will, uh, they will play Saturday at 5 against the winner of South Alabama and ULM. So, big ups to that as well. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 up 40 minutes after the hour. So over the weekend, it was all the sports happening, all the games, all the college games, and then online there was plenty of reaction to that and plenty of reaction to Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, the Saints, the rumors. New Orleans Mayor LaToya Cantrell getting on social media and sending out videos, essentially recruiting <laughs> recruiting Russell Wilson and Sierra. This is uh, as crazy an offseason as I can remember in the NFL, and we haven't even talked about some other teams. But I mean, Drew Brees got some hair plugs or something. I mean, with all these workout uh, videos, the one that goes viral, if you missed it, you can see it over at ESPN1420.com, and he's pushing this weighted sled. He's got this full head of hair. It looks younger. And as someone who has been balding for more than half of my life but still has a little bit on top, I mean, I, I, I Drew, 
Where 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 you get that work done? Was it painful? Shoot me a number, man. I'll do some endorsements just on the house on this show if I can get what you got. Holy cow. But <clears throat> remember what Jason Witten did when he retired the first time? He's going on TV. Got some new hair. Brian Urklacher retired. Got some new hair. He was a guy that did not need hair. He should have just stuck with the, the bald look. But just because Drew Brees is working out like crazy and folks are freaking out on social media and he hasn't announced his retirement yet and it's been six weeks and Sean Payton said six weeks ago he'd probably get an answer in about a week to a week and a half. Yes, some Saints fans are flipping out for a number of reasons. One, many say we love you, Drew. You were great, but the time has passed. It's time to, it's, it's time to move on. Two, they briefly talked themselves into Jameis Winston before a potential door B opened up, and they all flipped out last week when Russell Wilson and his continued PR campaign to try to be traded out of Seattle, I don't know if it reached a boiling point, but it certainly reached something when the article out of The Athletic was released detailing through sources some of the schism between he and Pete Carroll and that, Hey guys, I might not want to be traded. Well, I'm not requesting a trade, but if you're thinking about it, well, here's where I want to go. Oh, by the way, I have a no trade clause. And one of those four teams was the saints. Then Drew Brees comes out with his workout video. Now you got Cam Jordan on Twitter. Like, wait, I went on a trip for a week. I come back, log on to Twitter and people are saying, I'm going to be traded. Hold on. And he said it kind of laughing tongue in cheek. And yet there's part of them. That's like, uh, this better not happen. Nope. And then you have the mayor of New Orleans who has been criticized by some in the city for various inconsistent mask mandates or how they're operated. And I'm not going to get into political stuff. I'm just saying, did she release this video because she's trying to gain political favor? Or is she really just that thirsty for Wilson and Ciara to move to New Orleans and be, you know, and Wilson to be the next quarterback of the Saints. I've heard the rumors now, and I want to make sure that you understand that the city of New Orleans is a place for you and your beautiful family. I'm Latoya Cantrell, mayor of the city of New Orleans, and I know Mr. Wilson, that you will be a great addition to the New Orleans Saints. And more importantly, I can see us in that number winning that Super Bowl championship once again. And what else I can see? The Mrs. Sierra Wilson herself on that main stage during the historical Essence Festival. Okay. Drew sees that and he's like, wait a minute, guys, what's going on? But I go back to to is is Breeze the best option of quarterback for the Saints in 2021 if they can't work out a deal for Wilson and Breeze plays on that $1 million deal, which he restructured to do, which many said that just means he's going to retire because it means they can stretch out the cap hit once he does retire? Or does it mean that he's thinking about playing on a $1 million deal? What about Jameis? What about Taysom? 
at the end of the day, Breeze could retire, Wilson could go nowhere or somewhere other than New Orleans, which other teams that are on the, quote, list have better options to give in terms of trade assets. Oh, and on top of that, Jameis is sitting back like, wait, why is everybody flipping out? Wanting this guy. I I thought I was the guy. Now, Peyton hadn't said anything publicly. The Saints haven't said anything publicly. They're probably waiting to see what Drew Brees is going to do, which, by the way, why hasn't he done anything yet? Other than just work out and get new hair transplants, he's just trolling everybody, dropping pictures on social media of meals he's eating and products he's promoting. And then this viral workout video over the weekend with the new hair plugs. That, that seems like a guy, to me, that seems like a guy getting ready to go on TV a bunch. Time to start that next career. I need to have the hair for it. Tell you what, man, he looked much younger. Phone lines are open, 269-1077, You can tweet the show as well, at ESPN1420. Shout out Mikey Matuk, the STM alum is uh, signed a deal with the uh, the Chicago White Sox over the weekend. See if he can work his way uh, up through the minors and get back to the majors. Guy spent three seasons with the Tigers, a couple seasons with the Rays. 31 years old. Wishing him luck, hoping he can get back to the big leagues this year. Speaking of STM, shout out to their soccer team. The uh, girls' soccer team won another state title over the weekend. Shout out to Brooklyn Babineau, MVP of the game. Turlings Wrestling, I think they won their ninth state title in like the last 11 years. So a lot of sports happening on the weekend outside of just the Cajuns and, and the college scene and LSU, a lot of high school stuff as well. Clark emails. Scott, I want your thoughts on Tyler Robertson. Seems like the guy's got some good talent. I know eight games in, he's only batting 250, but there seems to be some great power there, and I think he'll be a big part of the Cajuns' offense this year. What do you think? Uh, I think he already is. You know, I think it sounds like you were at the game yesterday when he had, what, three RBI and a homer, and uh, I think he had a double. No, I think, I think, I think he already is. Get a nice game and kind of low key after the game was asked about, you know, his hitting. Here's what he had to say. Well, to handle it, I just stayed with the approach Dags gave us, just hunt fastballs, get on top of it, and adjust to if they leave something over the plate. And I feel like I did that pretty well this week. Obviously, only had a couple hits, but I'm just going to stick with that approach and I, that I feel comfortable with. And I'm just happy that we got the uh, three-win sweep, so I'll stick with that. And Degg spoke about Robertson as well after yesterday's game. Yeah, it's a matter of time. You know, he's he's a special, special athlete, and, and you know, it's it's just a matter of getting enough at-bats and, and making some adjustments. And, you know, the sky's the limit for this kid. He's He's just such in the same mold as a lot of guys we've had come through here. Appreciate the email, Clark. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Said I'd play a little bit more audio from Coach Glasgow. I uh, had a long conversation with him earlier. If you missed either of my conversations this morning with Coach Glasgow or with Coach Deggs, we'll have it up on the website for you a little bit later today, uh, late morning, and uh, the whole episode, all of today's show, Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. 
will be up on uh, the on-demand listening podcast platforms, Anchor, Spotify, and some other podcast platforms. Jerry Glasgow yesterday after the uh, heartbreaking loss to Oklahoma State. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's a tough loss today. Uh, Oklahoma State's a good ball club. and There's a reason they're 13-1. And uh, we had every chance to win, and we, we're a good ball club, and we got to learn how to win games like that. And I think what I see is, you know, mental errors – just a lot of mental errors. And then there's a lack of clutch hitting when you get those two out. Everyone that's beating us is getting clutch hits. And, you know, high pressure, high pressure hits. And great athletes love high pressure. And and uh, we got to learn to be that. And and I, and I trust we will. I think we will. I, I don't think we're that far off. I think it's a result of basically we're, from last weekend to this weekend, we're a whole different ball club. And, uh, a week and a half ago, I would have thought power was going to be a big part of our game, and right now it doesn't look like power is going to be any part of our game. So, you know, we're, we're trying to learn how to, you know, execute. I've, I think we bunted more this weekend than we have in my first three years. And, you know, it just seemed like we, we, we're going to have to learn how to execute and then and uh, you know, defensively, we made we made three errors. If you have four hits and three errors in a nine-inning game, you're a pretty good chance you're the one going to lose. And that, that hurt us a little bit. But, again, moving people, you know, all around. And that there's, you know, we're, we're running a pitcher that's never ran the bases in the ninth inning because we have no depth right now. We, we're trying to – we've pulled one player off red shirt, and we're trying not to just pull people off red shirts. And, and we, may, we may have to. We may have to. We're, we're just – we're depleted right now on, on the roster, and, and that's frustrating to me as a coach because we had such a deep roster. But the time is uh, – the game will challenge you. The good news. The good news is yeah, I was thrilled with Kendra Lamb. I thought she had an outstanding day and an outstanding weekend. You know, we went into the week, and, and we've been devastated by injuries this week. And, and uh, uh, while that's overwhelming, uh, I think the – the uh, emergence of um, Kendra Lamb and the reemergence of Casey Dixon really gives us a reason to be excited and optimistic about the remainder of the season. If we can just, you know, get, get comfortable playing together. That is some more from coach Jerry Glasgow. Uh, let's get back to the emails. Scott at ESPN1420.com. Alex emails. Says, Scott, what odds do you give the Cajun basketball team of winning the Sunbelt Conference Tournament? Uh, we'll talk to Bob Marlin tomorrow. I'll ask him that. Um, I, I think I think on the men's side, it's pretty open. Uh, it's going to be difficult for anybody. So, I, I don't know. I'd put the odds at 20, maybe 25, 25%. I think they got better odds than some teams, maybe 30. I think they've got some better odds than some teams. I do. On the women's side, I think – I think they're the favorite. I think it's followed by Texas State, and I think if it's anybody other than one of those two, um, then I, I think I think you've got a story there. I think you've got a story there. That's what I fully expect in that one. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. ESPN fourteen twenty. ESPN fourteen twenty dot com. I'm sorry, did Texas State. Thinking of the men's side. If it's anybody other than uh, the Cajuns or Troy on the women's side, you've got a story. No, I do not expect Texas State might not get out of the first round. Uh, but, no, it, it, Troy or Louisiana, I'm, I'm expecting that to be the conference championship game on Monday. 
Hopefully we're airing two basketball championship games next Monday. Tournament starts. All right, lastly, Brad Topham was uh, sending me a picture of Drew Brees and his new hair and reminded me about Chris Gaines back when Garth Brooks decided he was going to have an alter ego and be Chris Gaines. That was so weird. I remember when, when Garth Brooks hosted SNL and then the musical guest was Chris Gaines. Just just a just a weird thing. He went for it, you know, credit to Garth, but uh, sometimes you just got to know your strengths, right? I mean, that, that new hair by Drew Brees is so thick on the top, so he's like, what is he now known as? Well, Andrew Christopher Brees is the full name. So I think we got to go with Topher, and then you just have to have a last name that just doesn't, doesn't go with any part of your first name. Let's just go with Topher Reigns. That'll be the alter ego. That'll be the TV side of Breeze. What if Breeze, what if when he retires and goes into TV, it's just totally unexpected. He's just on there just vividly, openly criticizing players. Sometimes unjust. That would be the shock of the century. My biggest concern for Breeze going into TV is, I mean, it's just him being too nice. Can you strike that balance of pointing out what's happening, talk about a mistake, so where audiences know who made the mistake, but you don't sound like you're absolutely ripping the guy. That's a hard thing to do. Some guys come in and they're either too harsh or too nice, and then they fizzle out and don't really make it post-athletic career in the media. The good ones, they know that balance. They know that balance. That's going to do it for the Great Scott Show this morning. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Big thanks to Coach Deggs and Coach Glasgow for coming on the show. Tomorrow, we'll visit with Gary Broadhead at 715, head coach of the Sunbelt Conference champions. Bob Marlin at 730. Jay Walker will join me in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll do a little TTT, talk about the very, very busy week, busy month, busy couple of weeks. In his life and mine and everything surrounding Raging Cajun Athletics right now. Steve Pelequin is next with Beyond the Game. Don't go anywhere. This is Acadiana's best sports leader, ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. I can't quite remember just what guided me this way. Shake up.